Welcome to episode 13 of Two Pre-Sales in a Pod, or should I say Three Pre-Sales in a Pod. So I'm Adam Freeman, one of your hosts together with uh, Mr. Don Carmichael. Hi, Don. Hello, hello again. And we are very excited to be able to introduce our third P in the pod, um, someone who's been on the show before and he's volunteered to come back. And we'd like to say a huge, huge thank you to Mr. Mark Green of Sage. Welcome, Mark. Well, thank you for having me on, Adam, and great to see you again. And Don, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah. Huge fan. Huge fan of Mark. Yeah. And there was no massive complaints when you were on last time, so we felt it was safe to, <laughs> you know, to bring you back on. Well, that's because so, the last time I was on, we were talking about fantastic stories of where things, go, things went wrong. Absolutely. It was an excellent Christmas episode. Yeah. Any of our newer we'll listeners, if you're... Logs of those, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if any of the new listeners aren't familiar with that episode, that was our Christmas special, um, and we were recounting some kind of experience we've had across our pre-sales career, which is absolutely well worth a listen um, if you want to feel better about yourself if you've had a bad week, for sure. So um, so what we're here today to explore, so episode 13, unlucky for some, but we did decide to stick with 13. Um, we are going to be exploring future roles, and today is the kind of first way of us going into that. Um, and the role we're going to explore today is the role of the evangelist. Um, mm. So it's a it's a role that is is newer to a lot of people. It's certainly one that um, I've kind of heard about, but probably don't know as much about. And um, I know Don's more familiar, but uh, Mr. Mark Green, you are an evangelist, right? Is that fair to say? Very much so. And uh, thank you. Yes, it's an interesting title that has probably sparked far more conversations about what it is that I do, therefore, um, than I had expected. But I guess it's akin, perhaps, to describing oneself as um, a pre-sales person. Well, that can mean so many different things. Or a salesperson. You could be all sorts of different types of jobs within the sales world. I still feel very much uh, that I am a pre-sales person, but certainly perhaps a little of a different flavor of one. Mm. So we'll get into that then. So maybe if we start, just for, for newer listeners of maybe people, I mean, obviously myself and Don have known you a little while now. Do you want to kind of recap, how did you actually end up in pre-sales? How did you end up where you are now? What was your pathway to where you're at? Well, yeah, I feel like it was just chance and luck, but there must have been some design along the way. Um, I think what has led me through my career is um, definitely a very um, firm belief that I know that whatever work gets assigned to me, if it's, if it's something that I love doing, then that's going to be great. I mean, there's the old, allied, the old adage um, that if you do something you love, you'll never do another day of work in your life. Well, it turns out I do what I love, but I seem to work harder than I ever have. So I wish I'd known that right at the start. But no, certainly following what I am good at has meant that I've ended up uh, following a path that I can give the most back to companies. So I started off in IT. I was the person scrabbling underneath desks, getting uh cables unplugging from those floor boxes that were under desks that you opened up and for some reason never stayed open would always come down and were made of very sharp plastic so you were the guy that um, did uh, network port bingo as i used to call it you know you put a cable in <laughs> would it work would it not oh work? yeah that guy yeah <laughs> sometimes it was a phone port sometimes it was network just keep plugging until the light starts to flash but yeah and you know the, the there there were probably more there's probably more food in the in 
in those uh, floor boxes and there weren't any general canteen. It was quite gross. But thankfully, I, I, I moved on from that uh, because the thing that I loved about that was the interaction with, with the users. So giving that level of service um, and helping people and explaining technical concepts to them was the thing that I got out of it the most. And as it turns out, was the thing that people wanted me to do more of. So instead of then uh, providing technical information to users on how to use their computers, I then transitioned into explaining technical concepts to customers. So very similar, but in a different part of the, part of the company. Um, and having that experience right the way from first line support, second line support, moving in more into third line support and servers, I knew that I was going to head more and more towards the back office. You know, I appreciate a server rack full of blue flashing lights as much as the next geek in the line. Uh, with, and, and I wear that badge with an, with an honored pride. But I knew that that would take me away from the, from the front line. And so um, I'm very happy to be in the position that I am now, that I get to be very technical and yet very on the front line as well. Mm -hmm. that's on, that's on I, so um so um because we ought to unpack a little bit um the this kind of job title thing about the mm. evangelist which, which is that so this is on a, a career path this is a new step on a career path for pre-sales people and um, you know and a lot of people if you've been doing it for a while will kind of go well where, where's left to go some people will say you know like is it management you know and some people management is not going to be the place for you and um, you know because you love the interaction part and managing people sometimes is much more difficult than managing technology you might think you know um oh i'm going to go with the riches i'll go to sales i'm sure i can be good at sales some people go to kind of you know uh, product management but but there's a need for a lot of people where do i go next and and this this has been kind of sitting in the background that there's this role that you can evolve into that's got this huge influence so I started seeing that IBM had evangelists. And by the way, we should unpack as well that some people think there's a religious thing, which is we're not talking about that at all. This is about technology. This is about kind of, you know, in, influencing power and using your credibility and your trust and but beaming out on a mass scale. So we saw that IBM and then SAP had uh, started creating like a localized chief technology officer role. It wasn't an inward looking one. It was an external looking one. And they, they really used that title for people who were kind of like a evangelists you could wheel them in and you know really good communicators really good and um, then we started seeing it with uh, MuleSoft have recently done that I learned yesterday uh, IFS have done the same thing they, they maybe use slightly flexing the, the job title but these people have definitely come from pre-sales they reached the top of their career and then there was another step to come so you know so unpack it I mean if we can ask Mark what does it mean to you then uh, kind of being an evangelist uh, because obviously it, you know we're now talking about sage because you're at stage i am indeed yes uh so it's interesting that you mentioned the local cto role um ours our cto sage has two functions very much is to look after the company but also um be that visionary for people in the market as well and it's that visionary part that appeals to me certainly because um having an opinion and having the um the background to have that opinion rather than just spouting opinions all over the place actually having the background to say well i've been there and i've done it and it didn't work and if you're going down 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 that route good luck to you you may make it work but i would really recommend doing it like this because we've got the, 
the ability to do things in a certain way and this is where the market's going and having that future looking that messaging is not something that you all always get the opportunity to do um, just in a pre-sales role so I see uh, the, the evangelist role as a mix of three things. It's obviously very sales related. Um, it's lead, leadership related, sort of thought leadership around the technology sphere um, and connected to marketing as well. Um, not so much perhaps with the campaigns, although I do a lot of work with the marketing teams as well, hosting webinars, uh, panel discussions and things like that. Um, very much the technology evangelist I've found it's it's nice to um, it's nice to split how I think about subjects into three separate areas, and I've coined a phrase that I use um, or a moniker that I use quite a lot, which is authentic technical narrative. So if we break that down, what I'm trying to do in everything that I do is bring the authentic voice. Now, that's not always the most polished voice. It's not the one that's gone through the, um, the marketing agency that appeals to every perspective. It is, from my own experience, and with an openness and trust that I can build, so that authenticity is very important to what I do. And, I do, and I'm not saying that these are exclusive to this role. They are factors in all of the things that we do. But then the next thing, technical. So obviously with the background in IT, I love it dearly. Um, but also having that future thinking thought leadership perspective. I did a podcast recently on um, CFO 4.0. And so we're going through 3.0 now, whether the automation of all sorts of things, but 4.0, what's going to happen in 10, 15, 20 years time? Where is finance going to be? What will be automated and what's the effect on the people and on our lives? And it was just a fascinating way to look where we're going. Um, and then narrative. So communication, so technology, I can do that, just the same as some people can do maths and um, English and all the rest, and I can do technology, that comes quite easily. Um, but it's the communication. It's this whole networking piece that I think historically has been called social selling. But certainly in the era of lockdown, no one goes to networking lunches anymore or let's have a, a breakfast meeting with these other people. Let me introduce you to X, Y, Z. No, everything happens in the virtual space. So virtual networking is where we build relationships with our customers. And so to be someone who's so passionate about communication and the ways in which we communicate with people, I think is just the greatest thing in the world. Do you, do you think that virtual, I, I love the way that you termed about the social selling there, Mark. I think that's really, really important. We've, talk, we've, we've talked about this on the show, haven't we, Don? Um, about those kind of social characteristics that pre-sales kind of just naturally have um, that kind of showmanship. But do you, think the, do you think the social selling, do you think that will come back to the degree it did? I'm just interested in your thoughts here because there's, there's been a big rise in these kind of virtual events and I've seen how much junk email hits my inbox with people trying with smaller more regular events that actually probably don't create a lot of value but there is definitely a market there and it's a it's a growing market 
do, do you think that will continue or do you think that the differentiator will be that we'll go back to some kind of face-to-face -face for the for the really impactful networking i'm talking here what do you think was that me or don Sorry, I thought you were talking about that. <laughs> well, Anyone, musing. Oh my God, right. So yeah, the whole social, yeah, social things, small kind of, um, uh, kind of collaborative, um, you know, events where you, we can get that human thing back. You know, the, the, the kind of having, you know, we're all, I mean, if you think of the human thing is, we're, we're kind of desperate, aren't we, for these kind of interactions you know, to listen to other humans, learn from other people. And I, I, I love the word you use, Mark, about, you know, your three-word term, but it had narrative at the yeah. end. They, that was brilliant, you know, because it's storytelling. And I know you're, I mean, if anyone checks, well, you should check Mark out on LinkedIn, LinkedIn because he says, was it, uh, talk to me about the three little piggies story. I mean, the three little data and analytics pigs. That is brilliant. Yeah, that is, that's a story that the, for another time. That is clickbait all over it. As in, I have to talk to this person. You'll never, you'll never guess what happened to pig number three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, how clickbait is that? Yep. You should do a vegan version now. <laughs> Could do and a paleo version. Absolutely. But, um, I mean, you've got, I mean, on social, Mark, you, you've, because I was trying to move the conversation on to the fact that um, you've actually done a lot on social. I mean, you've had things kind of like two-minute Tuesday video sessions. You do a lot of podcasts. You're out there. You're out there a lot. You're using kind of social and all the various tools that, that, that you can to get your message across, to kind of influence, to do the evangelism thing. I mean, can you tell us For about sure. Yeah. You know, well, you know. Confidence to do that. So... Oh, I, I think I've always had confidence. That's never really been a problem for me. But the problem, in fact, has been a, uh, been uh, perhaps a little too much confidence. But focusing focusing that in the right place has ended up with me where I am. I certainly didn't start that as a way to end up in this job. Uh, but what I did was more me. I, I worked out who I was, I worked out what I believed in, what my message to the world was, and just double down on the passionate stuff about what I believe. Um, obviously in tune with, with, with working at Sage and, and all the rest of it, but um, I've created a video series, Two Minute Tuesdays. Many people online have done similar things, I'm sure, but... Um, it gave me the opportunity to explore video creating, um, storytelling, because each video that I did was the classic Cinderella story arc of you fall in love with the protagonist of the story and then something bad happens to them. So there's some sort of business pain, but then over the top of the hill comes the hero and then they will all live happily ever after. And I got to do so the storytelling, the video creating. It was all based around technology. I worked with partners. I worked with other people in the team, other people in the company. And of course, the evangelist role that I have um, is very much focused not just on the external networking and the external um, source of truth, that single source of, source of technical truth with regards to the products um, externally, but also internally as well. Um, and so... I guess I could say I fell into it 
but I guess because I was doing more and more of what I loved and it fitted more and more of what was needed, um, perhaps I created my own destiny. And that sounds far too cliched, I know. Adam's looking at me going, what is this man on about? <laughs> no, I think it's superb because I'm, I mean, I mean, I've said this to Don outside of the podcast when me and Don catch up. One of the things I've always had a firm belief in, in, in your career, is if you want to get ahead, you've got to hold your own pen, you write your own story, you know, your lead actor, producer, director and supporting cast of your own movie. And when you look back at that movie at the end, would you go and watch the trailer? You know, would you would you go and watch and watch that movie? And that's on your destiny. I think from the outside in, Mark, and, you know, uh, as much as I'd love to kind of poke fun at you because we have that kind of relationship, but I, I, I just think it's admirable that you've gone and you've, you've created this network through being able to communicate passionately about what the future of the industry is and, and articulate that in a way that's actually quite captivated. And you've been able to, with the Two Minute Tuesday, you've been able to squish that into a very, very bite-sized chunk that people can consume. And I think in that, what you've done is, to an extent, you've kind of defined your own evangelist role, haven't you? You've, from the outside in, and this is just my perception looking, looking inwards, the bits I see of you looking into, say, and the, what you bring, the knowledge you bring to my kind of LinkedIn feed is, in two minutes, I can kind of see a rough snapshot of how's Mark and how is the company going to help me? And I think that's a really key skill, isn't it? It's delivered passionately, informatively, in a very manageable format that's relevant to the world we're in right now. And maybe, maybe that's where some people listen to podcasts will, because we have people will go, I love the idea of what Mark's doing, or they've seen you on LinkedIn, like, I love that, how do you get there? And I mean, maybe you've just hit the nail on the head. You have to kind of bring this role to the attention of people, but also then communicate, well, how does that add value to the organization, right? It's, even if someone believes it, unless it moves the needle, why are you going to open that opportunity for someone? And so how would you, how would you answer that? How does someone who's maybe got all the characteristics you've got, how do they get this role on the radar? And actually, how did you get this role out there? So I, firstly, I love that question. That's really good because it really ties into what I get asked quite frequently is I've also, you know, I've also got passions in these areas. How do I do what you're doing? Yeah. Um, and I would have to say that, don't do what I'm doing. Do what you would be doing, having followed the steps that I did. Yeah. Because if you craft yourself towards a specific goal, you need to know that that's the goal that you would, as you said, look back and be pleased with. When you look back at your, the movie of your life, did you push yourself towards the goal because you'd seen somebody else happy or successful in it or did you push it because it was really you and so you could live and breathe it and love it every day and so if you are going to be a technology evangelist or a or a technical architect or a marketing technical specialist or whatever it is that you really like doing just do more of it and the more relevance that you can find to the things that you enjoy doing to the business it will be adopted as a requirement if, if you can bring something to the business that is either not there or is just very valuable then that will be your adoption path into your area of the business 
Um, um, yeah. Obviously, there's only so much you'll be able to reveal, you know, quite uh, understand that. Are, are you held accountable then for different kind of KPIs or different metrics to what a, a, a normal pre-sales role would be held accountable to? Or does that, has that changed as you've moved into this kind of, this area? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I've got colleagues that do similar to me in other businesses that work, that might come under more a marketing role. So they'll work on campaigns and, and be uh, th those metrics will apply. Certainly, I'm very much within the revenue generating sales and pre-sales part. So um, obviously, as you um, alluded to, can't talk commission, but can certainly talk um, that I'm in that, that part of the world. So my primary goal is to help win sales yeah. um, and in doing that by being a person that can communicate about the technology I'm very aware that there's only one of me and that is definitely not scalable um, to the impact that would be needed and so it, I find it absolutely fascinating there's different people in the organization that would love to know more about how the technology works so that they can talk more authoritatively with it with the customers and so for those people, it's definitely a coaching style relationship or a mentoring style relationship. There are also people who kind of get various bits, but want me to jump in at the last minute just for, you know, when, when this developer comes on the call and can I just help take them through an integration? Mm -hmm. Fine, yeah, I'll have that discussion and I'll supplement what it is that they're doing. And then there's the people that are total experts in other areas and don't have the, the the desire to go down a technical route and that's totally fine and they should they're following their path so then I can come in and support them with all of the technical conversations so to support all of those those people it's a it's a very nuanced but a, a fantastic way to do it Don could I, yeah could it, mm. I, I'd be, could you one of the things I'd love to know is what is what does the company think it's getting out of having someone in in that role um because one aspect of this has got to be the um the actually existing clients what they're really after is advice isn't it which is you know we're living in a world where people really don't want to be sold to but what they want is they want to find someone who's credible knows the technology understands you know um the various pathways to creating success and outcomes and value and so someone who's in the role like yourself is extremely powerful influencer um, and also i mean that's for existing clients but but also because you're able to scale up through things like social you know virtual and things like that you're able to kind of influence um potential you know prospects and things and i heard a brilliant phrase yesterday because someone approached me and said can you send me some content um without and, and the phrase was without triggering the sales tripwire brilliant phrase and it was I, but i got it straight away what it is is you want some you want some kind of like you know influencer type material thought leadership material and you're going to absorb that and you may or may not want to move on with something you don't don't want to talk to a salesperson so yeah so mark what 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 do you think sage is getting out of what you're doing? well it's interesting that you mentioned that actually because there is various different types of interaction with the customer let's just imagine that there's two documents in front of us one of us is um the implementation guide it is very much the how-to it is not bothered with the why because the why has already happened so it's definitely just the how-to and then on the other side you've got it's all the why it doesn't have to worry about the how-to because that's covered by other people and we haven't even got that far in the sales yet so this is very much the why and what does it do do for your business well 
that's great unless you want a mix. And as we all know, RFPs still exist because no one ever really ever asks quite the same question in the same way. And so you need someone that can take the factual how it works, step away slightly from just like you said, that sales trigger, oh, I'm being sold to, um, but find relevance in the technology, just the same way that people find relevance in the ability to do tax in a certain way. For example, tax is tax, it works in a way. If all systems covered tax in exactly the same way, there'd be no, you'd just be, do you do tax? Yes, done. But, but it's not, so you need to have that some, somewhere in between. So you don't trigger that, trigger that sales thing, but you also don't have to send a 300 page implementation guide. Just quick question here, and I'm just thinking out loud in terms of um, maybe some of the wider impacts of having someone in your role would do for an organization. So if I'm in the organization's point of view, what, what does a Mark bring, uh, Green sorry, bring to the table? Is it that through that kind of thought leadership and, then, and that external communication, do you think you can, to a point, influence people's RFPs? Do you think you can get questions and areas of interest that maybe otherwise wouldn't be on there therefore it gets you a competitive advantage is that it can do i'm i'm not big headed enough to say that it will do but it it can do and the reason that it can do is um especially today when people look people will google you before they meet with meet yeah. with you they'll look you up on on linkedin and so if i am to be that authentic technical narrative. When someone looks me up, firstly, do I still do I still work for my previous company? No, but you'd be surprised the number of LinkedIn profiles that haven't been updated mm -hmm. in three years because they've now got the job. Yeah. Um, but of course, that's that is the front line of should I trust this person? Mm. Um, and, and that is really important. So when you post on on LinkedIn or you have a website or you post on a blog or you come onto amazing podcasts, etc., such as this, um, people are forming an opinion of whether they should believe you or not. And so have an opinion because just the ability to do every option is a pain, but have an opinion on what good looks like and be able to provide it um, and then show people that they can trust that you live in this world, that you are a technologist, you, you, you have a background in it. And therefore then when you meet with them, they're, oh, oh, I saw you on, on LinkedIn, you're doing that podcast, you're the kind of person that when doing this company interaction, um, it's worth listening to. And we, I mean, we've spoken about this before and I've, I've definitely spoken with Don about this and I've definitely spoken with, with you about this probably on two separate mm -hmm. conversations. We've often said about the, the kind of mindless retweeting and resharing of, of corporate content without putting your own spin on it, haven't we? And I know some people are very passionate about this, aren't they? So do you think that's important that you don't fall into that trap? Incredibly important. It's, it's, um, it's a journey for com some companies who are going through their the building of their um, virtual world that they think that um, the the old stats of um, hit count and click count of how how many people have clicked on our article to read it mm. um, is the only thing thing that matters because then you get competitions run across the whole company yeah. that say that if you share this you could win a ten pound Amazon voucher 
<laughs> well, I've won a lot of Amazon vouchers, but I'm afraid it wasn't with my personal LinkedIn account. It could have been with a, an extra one that I set up. <laughs> but no, the, the, the point is to interact and be real mm. rather than just be an advert. If you're an advert, you're an advert. And the trouble is you are curate, curating an audience on LinkedIn. And, and I use LinkedIn as an example very frequently because it is pretty much the de facto business networking tool there. I'm sure there are others, but I'm not quite sure I know what they are. Jing um, in German speaking countries, but yeah, there, there are some other things, but you're right. LinkedIn is the de facto, isn't it? Well, I know we've got listeners across the world, so do message in with all of your, your different <laughs> business tools. But, but when you're on LinkedIn, it's very important not to be an advert. If you've curated your audience and you've still, so when, if you just accept every person that connects with you on LinkedIn, you are building just a crowd of people that you don't know who or why. But if you network properly and work out when someone sends you a message, hi, I'm used, you know, I do this and you, you build that as a valuable thing. You don't, you can very easily lose it again just by being an advert all the time. And so I try to post some things for me and then some things for Sage and then some things for me, some things for Sage, bit for me, bit for them. And that's fair. I, I am, you know, I work for Sage, but I'm still me. I think we should do a whole um, other episode on, on building and, and maintaining that kind of audience for LinkedIn. Because I, I think that is absolutely vital in what you've just said. Is that, you know, we always like actionable insights and actionable takeaways, as, as we say on the, on the show, things you can go and do. I think that is absolutely key. When you send in LinkedIn invitations, network with people that, are, that you're going to add value both ways. It is a network. It's not just a crowd of people. I love that analogy. And it's giving content that enriches someone's feed. I think we, we need to be mindful of that. And that's, that builds us as a profession, because I think over the last 18 months, two years, if you look at a, a LinkedIn feed of, if you were just to take the pre-sales subset of a LinkedIn feed, I think the quality of the content has gone up exponentially over the last few years. That's my honest um, assessment. And um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I think then to stand out, we are naturally promoting best practice for give great content in a, in a very good way, aren't we? Oh, for sure. And, you know, back, this has got to be 15 years ago, one of the sales directors rocked up to the office, thankfully not to a customer, but I think he probably had, had done this, rocked up in a Ferrari. <laughs> now, we all know the adage. Okay, so fine, he might be a very successful salesperson. But when you rock up to a customer in a Ferrari, all you're saying is, I'm going to take all your money. <laughs> now, I know that they may have well have provided a Ferrari's worth of value to the customer as well. Let's not deny that that can happen as well. But it's the same, same with LinkedIn. Don't put on there, top salesperson managed to, managed to get money out of loads of people. Because the, that's only relevant in, on your CV. Uh, and LinkedIn isn't a CV. No, it's a, it, it, if you are using LinkedIn as your front page to the world, you have obviously created loads of value for customers and you've spoken to people in all sorts of different verticals and different countries. 
put that on there because you're a real person and get that to come across and then when they look you up before the meeting that's how this this person can help us yeah. and that's free you've done that once and then that applies to everybody um, I've also created a web page because LinkedIn does tend to be seen as a, a social a social media front um, more and more people are using it for business, but I've created a web page which is just me. Um, and in fact, it does have the story of the three little demo analyt analytics pigs on there if you'd like to go and have a look. Do you want to give your web page a plug, Mark? Because that is somewhere people could visit, isn't it? Is that something you, you want to share? Oh, well, why not? Yes, indeed. It's mark.technology. There you go. That's okay. all you type into the address bar, mark.technology. When the... Um, when those websites came out, I was first on the list to get to get that that domain. So, if anyone um, yeah. listening that's also called Mark, that is that domain available to buy, or are they? Are you no, but Mark dot Solutions is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! So, Don, any any kind of closing thoughts from you? Because we're, we're I, I think it's brilliant to get the opportunity to speak to Mark about this because I, I think a lot of people are going, where can I go next? And, you know, Mark is a, a live and breathe an example of the, you know, are, are the influence, you know, the credibility, the advice, that's really what customers, clients and prospects want is that, you know, that credible, trusted advice. And there is a role, you know, that, that takes us beyond, it's still pre-sales kind of, isn't it? It's still communicating, it's still influencing people, but it, it takes us a lot further and, and it's a beacon for our, uh, our profession and craft, isn't it? Is it that we can all aspire to this? And uh, as Mark said, but it's about authenticity um, you know, and, and being real, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is, you know, real advice. You're not an advert. People want uh, a credible person, an authentic person to speak to. Yeah, I think, I think that's really fair. And, and, and Mark, if you don't mind, I think some of the listeners, I know we've, we both Don and myself have had this where listeners have, have reached out. So, I mean, if, if I suppose if anyone is, is interested in, in kind of learning more from Mark and seeing him, obviously go to LinkedIn, go to his, go to his feeds, kind of watch what he's kind of crafted and, and created there and, and like Mark said, do your own spin on that. You know, take some inspiration from it. Um, but I think I've always found it really easy to reach out to you, Mark. You've always been very accommodating in terms of helping people progress as well. So, you know, and the same goes for all three of us, I can safely say. Re reach out. We are really wanting to build the profession. This is why we do this stuff for free. That's why we give it away for free. We believe in democratization of our kind of experience. And if we can help someone, then great. I think that's, yeah. that's superb. So I completely that, agree, Adam completely agree do send me a message on linkedin um and do put a note in the invite as well <laughs> and you can do it when you do it on the mobile as well you just got to click the button and then add it before you press send um and uh, yeah so do you get in touch i've got one mentoring slot available if you're quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's on the 30th of february <laughs> <laughs> So, no, in all seriousness, reach out. A few people have over the last few weeks, and it's lovely to see this. Some really lovely mm. stories that one day we'll be able to share for sure. Um, so just a quick recap, episode 14, which will be with you very shortly, is um, with our friend John Hodgson, who's going to come on from a, a recruitment angle, isn't he, Don? So he's going to come and yes. give us some kind yeah. of insights on what the market's doing, what great looks like, and a bit of CV 
um, guidance as well. So that, that is one definitely not to miss. Um, so Mark, from us, just a massive thank you for giving thank up you. Uh, your time to come and join us once again. And we absolutely would love to have you on the show again in the near future. So thank you. Very it much. has been an honour. Adam, Don, thank you so much indeed. And I look forward to listening to the next no, you one. You can't see this, but I'm giving him a round of applause. Yeah, we could do we could do a Mexican wave this week. What? Last week we <laughs> did the one person Mexican wave, if you remember. This week we're doing a three man Mexican wave. There we go. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. So with that, thanks for joining us. Tune in next time um, and we'll see you later. See you guys. Take Thank care. you. Bye-bye.